Welcome to In the Woods. I'm James Woods, aka William Moore, the author of Sparrows Valley and the Twisted Fairy Tale series, and co-founder of Majavi. If you need to get out of your own way and learn how to traverse the not-so-happy path in your career, I want to help you dig through the weeds and get to the roots of what may be holding you back from growing and succeeding in your industry. The mindset when you have to overcome when things don't go your way. So join me in the woods. Welcome to In the Woods. I'm James Woods, aka William Moore, the author of Sparrows Valley and the Twisted Fairy Tale series, and co-founder of Majavi. If you need to get out of your own way and learn how to traverse the not so happy path in your career, join me in the woods. So today, I know I usually give everyone a very grandioso introduction, but this one is very close to home. This is uh, my cousin, Dwayne Peterson. He's a military vet, you know, 20, what, 20, 25 years? 24 years. 24 years. He was a sergeant major. If you look in his background, very highly decorated. He was sergeant major. He worked and he retired right out of Fort Benning here in Alabama. He right. have pretty much been to every war since Daddy Bush. Um, <laughs> so outside of what he's done for the country, the utmost respect for working so hard and protecting uh, our rights, our liberties, our freedoms, protecting our country. For me personally, you have a very special place in my heart. For one, when I was younger, you were literally my role model for everything that I did as a youth coming up because I, I, I looked up to you severely. The high school that I went to, we had this conversation and me and my mom had this conversation where there were multiple schools that were gonna give me a full athletic scholarship for football and some other sports. But I wanted to follow in your footsteps and go to the St. Augustine, which was a great decision in itself. I saw all the things you did with the military. I saw you go up the ranks. I uh, might not have said anything, but I did notice. I didn't know what the ranks were, but I just knew every time I spoke about my cousin, it was he was E2, E3, E4, E5, E6, E, and you were moving up in the ranks. And that meant a lot to me. And when I was younger, you, you taught me no one was going to give me anything in life. And you use examples such as sports. I remember uh, we had this conversation a couple of weeks ago. Right. I actually had to ask you. I was like, did you let me win that game? And he was like, nah, you earned that because you wouldn't let me dribble, shoot, pass. Like you made me earn everything. And that Not was something that has <laughs> literally carried over into my life, into everything that I do. And I just want to say, give you your flowers. I appreciate you. I love you. You've always been there for me. You've always supported me. And you've always been that that role model that has directed me down paths when there were many situations where I could have gone either way. So I just want to say thank you before I get into the show. Well, you know what? Um, that was that was a pleasure of mine seeing you grow. I saw the potential in you. You were never the one to to give up. And I saw it. You were trying to do things that I was doing. I was much older than you at the time. And you know, you had trouble keeping up, but you never gave up. And the reason I never gave you anything, because I based the way that I taught you on the way that the world is. Nothing comes to you for free. You got to earn everything you get. So and you have you have learned from that. You have proven that, hey, there's there's no obstacle that 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 you can't handle just by where you are, where you are now. Because you're doing a lot of good things. You're doing a lot of great things. 
And that's because that that drive that was given to you at a younger age and that potential that everybody else has seen in you and still seeing you, giving you an opportunity to, to do and be what you are today. So saying that to say I'm very proud of you, very proud of you. You know, and coming I'm, from I'm you, happy, that means a lot. I'm happy the way things are going for you right now. So now getting kind of into this, you. <laughs> thank you, I appreciate it. Uh, one of the first things I, I definitely wanted to ask you, I, I know, you know, out of high school, we went to St. Augustine High School. Right. If you don't know what it is, definitely look it up in New Orleans, Louisiana. Afterwards, you went to UNO, uh, you went to college for, you know, uh, a period of time, and that wasn't for you, and you decided to go into the military. Was that something you grew up thinking, you know what, I want to go to the military? Was it, what were the, what was that your thought process that you thinking when you said, you know what, this is the route that I want to take my life? Well, um, like you said, I went to UNO, I did uh, maybe two semesters at UNO, and I realized at that time, college wasn't for me. I didn't have my head in the game. So I tried a few other odd jobs, uh, anything from retail to door-to-door salesman, and that wasn't really going anywhere. So I decided I'd go talk to a recruiter and just, you know, hear what they had to say. And I liked what they had to say. He got me in to take the test to see, it's a placement test, to see what I, where I would be best useful. So uh, after the test, you know, he, he told me about the mechanics field. And you, of course, you know, I like working with my hands anyway. Right. So I, I was interested in that. And my initial intentions was to go into the military, do one term, get the skills that I needed to go out into the civilian sector and, you know, work from there without having to pay for a college education. So uh, four years was that was my intent. Right. But when I got in. I saw the the mass amount of opportunities that the military offer and I couldn't I couldn't leave it. I mean, I started enjoying it. I started meeting people. I started, you know, to love what I was doing and and I tell you, personalities there are so many personalities in the military and I've met a lot of different people from different backgrounds, races, creed, color, religions. I haven't met a person that I didn't like. And it became a brotherhood. You know, you build bonds. It was exciting. I got to travel. And this was my first first four years. I got to do a lot of things. I did more in four years than I, I've done up until the point that I joined the military. So that it, it grabbed my interest. And, and I just drove hard with it from there. Now, for myself, I had you as a mentor. There were a few other people, my best friend, his father. I had like male figures. I had a lot of people that supported me. Uh, I had coaches throughout my life. What was kind of your history? Did you have someone or were you kind of a latchkey kid? Or how did, how did you say, how, what molded you to become the type of personality that could become successful and move up in, this, in whatever you decided to do? I tell you what, and and I didn't grasp this until I became a, a non-commissioned officer. Okay, you, as a leader, you'll look at a person, and you'll you'll say to yourself, you know what, that person has potential. I'm gonna kind of take him under my wing, and teach him a little something because I think he can be good. As you know, and I think I've told you this before, 
you can teach someone to lead, but you can't teach anyone to be a leader. You can identify someone who has that natural ability to lead. And someone saw that in me. It was uh, my first supervisor in the military. He was a staff sergeant. And he did some things. He put me through the ringer. He made me do things he knew I didn't want to do. But all of that was for a reason. He taught me how to be flexible, for one. He taught me how to accept what goes on in the military as this is your job. Because when you first come in, you figure, okay, my MOS is my job. No, that's not your job. Your job is anything that you're told to do. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so um, this guy mentored me and he taught me a lot of things. And he told me, he showed me how to lead by example, truly lead by example. And I've seen a lot of, uh, I've had a lot of mentors and I've seen a lot of different uh, leadership styles. And what you learn to do is you pick a little bit of this from each one of those leadership styles and you collectively put it together and you create your own style. And that's what worked for me. I got all of the good out of the mentors that that mentored me. And I meshed all that together to become the leader that I became. And it worked out real well for me. Now, you were saying flexibility. Could you kind of go, what do you mean by flexibility? Is it in regards to how you work with people? How well, you... things change in the military constantly. You may be heading left and then get a call to doing about face. So you have to be flexible in what you're doing. You may be in the middle of doing a job, say as a mechanic, working on a vehicle, okay, and something else comes in and it has a higher priority. You have to be flexible enough to stop what you're doing, jump on this, and then go back to finish whatever else you were doing. Uh, you may get a call to deploy, okay? You may be on vacation. Guess what? When that call comes, you gotta go. So. Flexibility is a major part of being in the, in the military because you, you never know what's going to happen the next day. You can plan your day out. You can plan your week out, but you never know what's going to happen in between those plans. So you got to be flexible enough to uh, to change. And one reason I wanted to bring up the flexibility, because I think that's a trait that carries over in every aspect, not just in the military. Right. I know in the tech field, there'll be times that a business will give me some feature that I need to build out. And as mm -hmm. it's being built out, someone will come to them and say, oh, it has to change, or this has to change. And as right. much as you may not want to do it, it is mm -hmm. part of the job. And that's what the business or the company is paying you to do is that job. So exactly. flexibility is a very integral part of succeeding in any field. Because right. if you are static, there's, there's one thing that I, I used to tell people, like when I interview, I tell people, I said, I, I look at the resume so I can get a perspective of where to start the interview, but I don't base mm -hmm. the interview on where you are. Because, right. for instance, if I'm at a company for 10 years, if it's the same company for 10 years, then basically I have one year experience 10 times and not really learn right. anything new. Right. So when right. you decide to go to another company, are you flexible enough to break the mold and the structure and the... the Everything that you've been doing for the last 10 years, are you flexible mm -hmm. enough to change if you work for another company? Because if you're not, it's going to be very hard to maintain a job and it'll be very difficult to actually succeed in whatever you decide to do. And, and that's a major part of the flexibility in the military because you may be located here for two years, 
I was on a duty station for one year. I mean, one solid year exact. And I got orders to pack up and move to another uh, duty station. So I would say the, the, the longest span I've had was at Fort Benning. Oh, and that okay. was that was a uh, third infantry division, and uh, there's a saying that once third infantry vi- division get their hands on you, you can go, but you coming back. <laughs> so, yeah. so I did about I did about five years at uh, on Kelly Hill at uh, Fort Benning, but I've been to Korea twice, been to Ger- to Germany, I've been to Kuwait, been to Saudi Arabia, back to back deployments to Iraq. Um, Aberdeen Proving Grounds twice, you know, and and all up and down the East Coast. It it has been most of my uh, deployments. And flexibility is a major part because you have to be able to be flexible enough to pack up your family and move at the drop of a hat. So, yeah. Yeah. So now in regards to the military, I remember when I was going to college, we had this heart to heart conversation and you literally. Mm -hmm. Pulled me to the side. I was like, James, military is not for you. Right. What advice would you give to someone who wants to pursue a career similar to yours in the military? If it's for them or not for them, how can you tell if it is? And what advice would you give someone who who has made that decision that this is what I want to do with my life? Well, you know, you can try things and you never know if it's for you or not until you try it. Uh, the biggest thing I would say is do your research. Okay. See what that career has to offer. See how it's going to profit you. What can you put into it? Okay. And what can you get out of it? Because uh, just jumping up and wanting to do something and then you find out later, oh, this is not for me, especially in the military. Remember, you have an obligation of at least four years to do that. So do your research, you know, see if they can offer you something that's going to maintain your interest. All right. Um, I like the physical aspect of the military. I like the training. You know, I like dealing with soldiers, love dealing with soldiers, Uh, dealing with other people. Leadership is just in my blood. So it was perfect for me, but it may not be perfect for the other person. In your case, I knew you were meant for bigger things, okay? Just didn't know exactly what it was at the time, but I knew you were meant for bigger things. And I think what you had to offer, it may have not worked well for you in the military because you are an adventurer. You like to go and do and keep busy and keep going and creating, and it's a lot to be stifled by one place right all right and you 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 can tell if you if you are meant for something or not but you got to do the research to see if it is something that's going to maintain your 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 interest in, in your likes because uh once you sign that paper so now in regards to the research there's the research for when you go in now after yeah. you're physically there in the tech world, there's books, there's YouTube, there's articles, there's Udemy, Pluralsight, there's all these different resources, there's meetups. I don't think the military works the same way. 
I don't think there's you don't you can't go on uh, Eventbrite and get a, <laughs> uh, any type of information about the military. They, there may be some meetups for mm-hmm. you know veterans or people who are currently in the military. You can get more information. But what kind of resources did you have to actually grow in the military? Talk to people. Talk to a veteran. Talk to someone who's active duty. Okay, these guys are going to tell you the truth. Trust me. And you may meet one or two people here that just don't like the military. And like I said, they're stuck in that four-year obligation. But pull out the positives. Okay. See if this is something that you can handle. All right. Talk to recruiters. Now, recruiters, are, they'll, their job is to make the military seem the, like the best thing in the world. All right. But you should be able to pick and choose what is believable or not. All right. But your, your, your best resource is talking to people, talking to people that has experienced the military. Um, veterans. The military is constantly changing, so they're not always up on, you know, what's new in the military. Right. Okay. So but you can still get a lot of information from veterans and then they can lead you in the right direction. You know, uh, active duty. OK, you run into somebody who love what they're doing. They're going to give you the, the entire skinny on, on what's going on and let you know if, hey, this is something you might want to do. OK. Uh, the military has moved to education now. They're they're making it easy for you to get an education to get you a degree while you're on active duty. Oh, wow. okay. um, I took a few classes while I was in, and I uh, didn't complete my degree until after I retired. I have a bachelor's of science in criminal justice right now, and that's when I find out that college was for me because <laughs> <laughs> I graduated. I graduated magna cum laude from uh, Purdue University online. So, yeah, it took a while, but I did what I had to do first. I I established my career. I became successful in my career, and then I got my education. Now, everybody won't do it that way. You know, most people, they get their education first, but it's never too late. Now, you said you were magna cum laude at, at Purdue. Purdue University online. Purdue University. Do you believe Mm -hmm. you would have had the same results in college if you hadn't gone to military? Was some of that discipline? Okay, so some of that so a lot of that discipline did help you in regards to a lot of that discipline helped me, yes. Because I tell you, uh, you become real disciplined real fast in the military. And uh, you know, it, it teaches you how to focus. It teaches you how to finish what you started. And that's what I love about the military. I've, I've learned a lot, learned a lot from the military. Now, let's say you were to go and you had to think, I know one, you said the staff sergeant, if there were you know, a few people, two, three people who were truly influential to you, they don't have to be in the military. It could be someone mm-hmm. you know, someone that you know of. Are there some people that just stand out in your mind? who you would definitely say were a huge influence in your growth. You know what? This first one is a person that I knew of that I read about and uh, Job from the book of Job. Oh, okay. Goodbye. I read that book and I tell you, Job went through some stuff, <laughs> but, but he was patient. He was patient. Um, 
I learned humility from reading that. Okay. And I learned how to humble myself through reading Job. So that, that gave me a lot of insight on patience. Um, second person, or should I say persons, uh, I would say uh, my mom, my dad, my grandmother, aunts, uncles, cousins, you know, it takes a village. And I had a village. Uh, you know, our grandmother was patient as patience can be. I think she was yes. uh, even more patient than Job, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, I picked up a lot of that from her. So that village, that village influenced me a lot. You know, it, it, it taught me work ethics, you know. Uh, this last one, uh, you know a lot about her. Uh, it's my wife, Monica. Incredible. Yes. <laughs> she was she was with me every step of the way of my 24 years. Okay, she was there to push me um, when I didn't want to do something. You know, she was there to hey, you know, you got to do it, so just get it done. You know, she would tell me things I didn't want to hear, but I needed to hear. Okay, and I'll tell you, if you don't want the answer. Don't answer the question because she's going to give it to you straight. You know that better than me. <laughs> so, I absolutely do. Yeah. So that that was the three groups that I would say was most influential to me. Now, uh, we had this conversation before. It kind of goes back into the uh, leadership and the mentorship side mm -hmm. where you were saying you were training people different ways just from the, the running aspect. You had your cheetahs and they were like the two other forms. Right. How did you, when you were doing your training or mentoring, coaching your 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 infantry or your soldiers, how would you go about knowing what a person needed or where they were? Like, were there were there certain things that kind of stood out, or how did you learn to read people to know exactly what individuals needed? You know, um, military has what we call a, a physical fitness test for for the physical aspect of it. And what it does is it's an evaluation to tell you where each individual soldier is in their physical being. And that's how you would break that part down as far as the um, the physical training, the running, uh, and all the other physical aspects of uh, physical training. Uh, we did physical training five days a week, you know, so it was a constant. And the goal is to get the individuals that needed that extra attention up to a point where they didn't need it anymore. And gotcha. to maintain okay. those that had that physical ability to maintain. So uh, that was the easy part. Now, as far as um, any other type of training, we constantly train in the military. We constantly train for uh, combat. We train for garrison. We train for anything we do because through training, you learn your job. You know what you have to do because once you actually get out there and have to implement what you've learned, there's, there's no room for mistake because the smallest mistake can kill a lot of people or get a lot of people killed. So it's constant training while you're in garrison. It's constant training while you're deployed, but it's all for the bigger picture. When, when I was younger, I, I know in the leadership aspect, you always say train by example. 
right. or teach by example, lead by example. Lead by you example. were like that. You were like you were like that way before the military. Mm-hmm. You were like that when I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of goes in every aspect, also. And the tech world, I've been tech lead at many different org- uh, corporations, Fortune 500, major companies. And one of the ways that I've always been able to gain respect of my team is they know that I can do the work that they're doing. They know mm-hmm. if they have an issue, I'll peer program and I'll work with them to improve their skill set. And one of the things I, I say all the time is my goal is to train you so that you can leave or find better opportunities, but treat you so that you never it never even crosses your mind. What type of, um, how does that correlate in regards to the military and the, the lead by example, the going out there first? Is that something that's, uh, is that important as a leader or is that kind of secondary? How do you gain the respect of your team? It's very important. And uh, to go along with what you say, uh, you train individuals to take your spot. That's what you want, okay? Because you're not gonna always be there. I always told my subordinate leaders, okay? Train your soldiers to do what they're supposed to do when you're there or you're not there. Let your presence be known in your presence or your absence, okay? You have to earn their trust, okay? I have never had a soldier go out and do anything that I myself didn't do first, okay? I'm a supervisor, and I have soldiers out there burning waste, okay? So I'm out there with them burning waste, okay? When they go out on missions, I've written in every position except for drivers because that's first saw and you couldn't drive you couldn't drive the vehicles. Uh, that was a command decision. But in every position in those vehicles, from TC to gunner, from lead vehicle to rear vehicle to middle vehicle. All right. And when people see that you're willing to get out there and do it yourself. Okay, it gives them the confidence in knowing that, hey, it's going to be okay, because if the top dog can do it, I know I can do it. Okay, and the biggest thing about that is respect. You have to give them respect because you can't expect someone to respect you if you don't respect them first. Okay, and you have to not only say that you have to show it. Okay, Um, let yourself make yourself approachable. You know, no one should have fears of talking to you or walking up to you and asking you a question. Yeah, there were policies in place that you use your chain of command first. But I've always had and most good first sergeants have an open door policy to where, okay, if this individual really don't want to talk to their supervisor about it, they'd rather talk to first sergeant or the commander. They can go and do that. Okay, so. You, you have to appear as a human being okay, because if, if you're walking around bigger than light, then no one knows what you are, what your response would be if they approached you. So you, you, you have to have you got to let yourself be approachable. You got to give respect. And you got to be able to show that, hey, I'm, I can do anything that you can do. And I'm willing to do anything that you are willing to do. I'm not just going to send you out there and sit back in the comforts while you put your life on the line. 
if you're going to put your life on the line, I'm going to put my life on the line first. Now, a question that I have, you've been very successful. You've gone all the way through the ranks up to, mm-hmm. to Sergeant Major. Mm-hmm. Is there a mindset or a, a thought process or how did you, not everyone gets there? And I right. tell people, a lot of people tell me, you know, if you work hard to be successful, I say, no, working hard mm-hmm. is a prerequisite. Nothing else matters if you don't work hard. You'll mm-hmm. never receive anything. But mm-hmm. there's there's that X factor. There's something above just the hard work mm-hmm. that other people see you and they're like, okay, this guy is going to move up the ranks. Or this mm-hmm. is a person that I want to move up the ranks because he needs to be leading people. What was that mindset or what do you feel was special about you? Whereas, because there's only a certain number of people that actually hit those ranks in the military. Right. What is the difference between someone who gets there and someone who potentially may never get there, no matter how many years they are in the military? All right. The first thing you got to do, and my, uh, my first mentor taught me this, is you got to set goals. You got to set goals for yourself. Where do I want to be in three years? Where do I want to be in five years? Where do I want to be in 10 years? Okay. Then you have to go through the process of getting to where you want to be in those specific times. Sometimes you don't reach it in those specific times, but that doesn't mean you stop. You continue to, to, to thrive, to do better, to get better. And uh, as I was telling you before, you can teach someone to lead, but you can't teach them how to be a leader. And most leaders, it's just there. And people can identify that, okay? Doing your job, not afraid to make decisions, okay? And if it's a bad decision, own it, you know? So it's it's a mixture of things, but um, those goals that you set are a major part of it because you, you have to know what direction you're trying to go in. And you have to know what it takes to get there. So you definitely didn't wing it. Like throughout your entire career, you specifically said, I'm going to hit this next level. Or I'm going to get in this position. This was something you strategically, I guess, set in your mind that no matter what, I'm going to get there. It wasn't my chance. My, my major thing was doing my job. Right. I had to make sure that I did my job, you know. And, and uh, if you're doing your job and you're doing everything that you're supposed to do, and when I say doing your job, Anything that comes your way is your job in the military, right. you know, right. be the best at what you do. OK, put one hundred and fifty percent into what you do and and it's going to come. The rank is going to come because people will notice that and they'll see that and they'll say, you know, well, this guy, he's tracking. I mean, he knows what he's doing. He's getting it done. He's not on my heels every five or six minutes asking me questions or can I do this or should I do that? Do you got to do again in, in the military research. You have to research. All right. Research your job. So you'll know how to do it better. Absolutely. Now the military as well as any other industry, I know for a fact has myths that people believe. Is -hmm. there anything that stands out a, a myth that people say, that you would like to debunk me or just put it out there. This is not the way it is from experience. The biggest one when I was coming up, the biggest one was uh, military. The military is not for blacks. That's not true. That's not true. Um, Back about 
50, 60 years ago, maybe. But now the military is for anybody that has the drive to want to succeed in the military. All right. There are so many options in the military for an individual. Uh, you can start off, as I did, as a mechanic and decide you want to get on the tech side. You know, you want to go into intelligence or or whatever. The military is a, it's like a business. It has just about everything that you have in a civilian world as far as positions and type of skills. So you, you're not stuck in one area your whole military career unless you want to be there. Right. And that's by choice. But to say that uh, the military is not for black people, that that's not true. It's for anybody. Anybody that wants to succeed in the military can join the military and be very successful. We've had some outstanding uh, black leaders in the military that has made it up to the, the ranks of general. Uh, taught majors of the army, you know. They 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 have become very successful. Look at uh, Colin Powell, who recently deceased, but he 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 had a very successful career in the military, you know, and it showed because he wind up in the White House. Exactly, about as high as it gets. About as high as it gets. Yeah, exactly. So at this point, I'd like to switch it up uh, with my guests. Uh, if we could switch places, I was the interviewer. And you, mm -hmm. I mean, you were the interviewer. I was the interviewee. Mm -hmm. Is there something that I didn't ask you that you would have liked me to ask you? Or is there a question that you would have liked to ask me? What I would ask is, uh, starting off throughout your career, if there was one thing that you could change on your way up to success, what would it be? I've actually thought about that. And I'm a, a firm believer in destiny. Mm -hmm. And I believe literally throughout my entire career, if anything would have changed, literally anything, I honestly don't believe that I would be here. So mm -hmm. for instance, in college, when I was at Georgia Tech, the reason I went to Georgia Tech is because my physics professor, Coach Charles Vegas, said you're good at math and science. What are mm -hmm. the schools that you uh, were accepted to? And I listened to Georgia Tech, Northwestern, Rice, uh, Clark, Atlanta, Auburn University. And he said, Georgia Tech, you should go there because you're good at math and science. I was like, okay. right. <laughs> and I went to Georgia Tech. So when I was at Georgia Tech, I went for electrical engineering. I took a co-op job because I didn't want my mom paying for school. So I paid for my school. Paid. I worked out some stuff at the school to get my books. And in that, I realized I didn't like electrical engineering, but I did learn that I love computer science. Mm. And situation happened. I ended up, I said in a, a past podcast where I lost literally everything in six months. Throughout my life, for a little while, I literally would think, hmm, if I would have changed that situation, made a decision to stay and not go, where would I be now? Mm -hmm. But I'm a firm believer. Sometimes the only way you can realize what is your true passion, what you really want in life is to lose what you currently have. Right. So my right. thing, I was never able to see the writing, the writing consultant, the poetry, the traveling. There was a lot mm -hmm. of things. If I would have finished and went to electrical engineering, computer science, I may have been a body in a seat. Maybe not. Maybe so. I don't know. Right. But even when I went, came to New York, I had, and I actually wrote this down the other day, I had about 22 or 23 jobs in a six-year period. Mm -hmm. I mean, I did everything from 
construction and painting and door-to-door sales and retail and collection and 411 and anything you can imagine. I literally did everything except work in the food industry. Valet, Mm -hmm. I could go on and on of all the jobs that I had. But in every one of those jobs that I had, I learned a little something about leadership, about management, about working with people, dealing with people, sales, persuasion, business. I learned a little bit from every one of these companies that I worked at. Then I went into uh, consulting. I did writing consulting where I was doing comic books and plays and traveling poetry. I was doing all these different writing for you know world-renowned chefs. And that was another part of my life where I learned how to, from the consulting side, how to run business and how to monetize what I'm, what I'm doing. How do I actually make money without having a nine to five? How do right. I get a 1099? How do I start a corporation? I, then I, I started some nonprofits and everything wasn't good. There were many times I wanted to quit. Uh, I had the eSports magazine, eSports organization. And every decision that I made in regards to uh, the, the lady I was dating when I for my son, most people, some people might say, oh, well, was that would you have chose to do anything differently? My son was actually a conversation we had where we mm-hmm. planned to have Eli. And we had right. planned to have a life together and things just didn't work out. So there literally, I can't think of, now there were some points in my life I would never want to repeat. Oh, yeah. I would, I would, <laughs> I think I would, we all I have would, a little bit of that. I yeah. would <laughs> never wish some of the things that happened to me on mm-hmm. my worst enemy. Right. I mean, I've been homeless. I've lived in crack houses. I've lived in my car. I've mm-hmm. lived all over the country. I've lived mm-hmm. all throughout the boroughs, Long Island, Indiana, Florida, Louisiana, Alabama, Georgia. I've been all over the world to Asia and South America. There were many things, but in every one of those terrible situations, for instance, when I was in the subway and I was had my suitcase and was sleeping on the last car going back and forth throughout the night in the subway in Manhattan, mm-hmm. that some people say, well, why would you ever want to do that again? But if I wasn't in that situation, then I would have never become a full-time poet because I didn't have a job at the time. So I needed to find a way to create income. So Mm -hmm. I started going to poetry venues and that is how I regained my love for writing again was being homeless and I needed to make money to survive and eat because I'm not a beggar. So I'm going to do something to earn my money. And I started the nonprofit and I started touring and doing schools and universities, nonprofits. And so every aspect of my life, I honestly can't say I would have changed anything because if I would have changed one detail, I literally, my path, instead of going where it is now, could have veered off to something where I don't want to. So I respect every decision I've made. Mm -hmm. I look back and say, I don't want to go through that again. I don't want anyone to go through that again. But the thing is, I made it through and it made Mm -hmm. me a much more stronger, wiser, experienced leader, mentor, business person, friend. Uh, Everything has made me better in those times. And yes, you learn uh, from your mistakes. Because if you continue to make the same mistakes and, you know, that's a whole that's a totally different conversation. You're not learning anything. Yeah. But I've I believe a, a true testament of my success is I have failed much mm-hmm. more than the average person. Not more than mm-hmm. everyone, but I have failed much more than people could even imagine. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. businesses, jobs, relationships, careers. I feel so many times I, I don't even want to think about it, but I've learned what worked and what didn't work and did less of what didn't work and did a lot more of what did work. So to mm-hmm. answer your question, just summarizing it, I honestly can say I wouldn't want to change anything or I, I don't believe that I would be where I am now. I'd be yeah. successful right. doing something. It just probably wouldn't be my passion and it wouldn't be mm-hmm. where I am now. Yeah, I'm a true believer in fate and I believe that everything happens for a reason and you're you're where you're at because you're supposed to be there. So um, like you said, the, the, the failures, the, the, the letdowns of yourself, all that happens for a reason because um, you can't learn if you don't make mistakes. Absolutely. Right. Cause nobody's perfect. Well, there's only one perfect person that ever walked the, the, the face of the earth and yes. none of us uh, is him. So, um, it's it's a learning tool. It's definitely a learning tool because I've made many mistakes in the military, but I was I was man enough to own them, and I was smart enough to learn from them. And the more you learn from your mistakes, the better you are. If you don't learn from your mistakes, you you're gonna be in the same same position the rest of your life. It's like walking around in circles. You know, you're not getting anywhere. Mistake, 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 the same mistake over and over again. So, yeah, it's good to learn from your mistakes and it's good to have mistakes, you know, because it it, it brings about a positive ending. One thing that I would that's even, I guess, in addition to what I was saying, that was a a strong part of my personality now Mm -hmm. is because of all the failures and all the places I've been. I've been at the absolute. I don't know any lower than I mean. There are people who have addictions and all the other things, but I meant in regards to me, who was a very hard work, a very honest person. Mm-hmm. For me, I don't see how you could get really much lower than being homeless, no job, no money. That that was about as low as I could physically think right. of myself. Mm-hmm. And I've also been at the fa- at the point where I've been in meetings with millionaires and billionaires, and I've worked with all these major companies at C levels and executive level. I have become extremely humble because of mm. it. So most of the people that know me, the people that I manage, uh, the teams that I work in, the companies I've built, sometimes I, I think they almost get a little bit too comfortable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that can happen. That can happen. Where it's yeah. like, oh man, James mm-hmm. Will is one of, one of the guys. I'm like, I'm one of the guys. I'm I'm, I'm nice, but mm-hmm. you know, let's let, there's a there's a there's a point. There's a fine line. Yeah. But over, but what happens is I know what it is to not have, and I know what it is to have. Mm-hmm. So I've become a very humble, and I understand what selfish and pride and ego gets you. Because there oh, have man. been times, for instance, when I was home, when I was homeless, it was pride that got me on that subway because I didn't want to ask anyone for help. Right. That's basically what it is. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people. Somebody would have let me stay there until I got back on my feet. Mm-hmm. But because of my pride and my ego. At the time, I didn't want anyone to see me at the point that I was at. Right. Where I am now, I'll call mom, you, somebody in a heartbeat. He's like, hey, you got a, got a bed for me? Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I've become very humble. And I, I, I truly believe when people see that, they're more trusting of you and more willing yeah. to work with you. So mm-hmm. that's kind of been one of my keys 
And even with the podcast, getting people to want to be on my show and share their story, people mm-hmm. who are CEOs and CTOs and CIOs and award winners and every, I don't know why they want to come on my show. And, and the world standpoints of celebrities, I'm not going to say I'm a nobody, but I'm not at a level where some of these people would want to come on and be like, yeah, let me. And some of the things that they say to me, it, it really humbles me even more. I was right. like, wow, these are my peers. Mm-hmm. And they have a lot of respect for me because of how humble I am and and all that I'm willing to do to help their career. Right. And they're willing to basically kind of pay it forward and helping me with my career. So I, I've and that's just a little continuation of that humility, I feel, is a very important part mm-hmm. of, of success. Right. It is. It is. It definitely is. And, and I'll tell you this. Uh, uh, from what you were saying, um, how you were at such a low point, I look at it like this, uh, and which is why I don't really complain about anything, because no matter how low I am, somebody out there is worse off than me. Yeah, I can guarantee you that somebody else is worse off than me. So I appreciate everything that I have and everything that I am. We had this conversation before the podcast. We were just kind of talking it up. And- right. You truly do not understand or appreciate America until you leave. Until you leave. Yeah. I have I have seen things living in Colombia for a while. Mm-hmm. I actually sent this to a good friend of mine, a message. I was sending him a picture. I said, anyone who ever complains about their life, I was at I was in the back of a taxi and we were heading back to my apartment, and there was a guy with a, a like a Poland Spring bottle of water mm-hmm. and a squeegee cleaning windshields. In a mm. rainstorm. Mm. Wow. <laughs> and I was just looking wow. at this guy like, really? And yeah. it, it wasn't. That uh, uh, just blew it was my doing mind. What he had to do. <laughs> exactly. That's the point that I was trying to make. Doing what he had to do. <laughs> in Colombia, you see people who are juggling. They're going and buying little candies and selling candies on, and they mm. literally do anything and everything to survive. The, and obviously there are people who have money who live a great life and it's, oh, yeah. they live life similar to people in America. But mm-hmm. for the average everyday person in regards to the opportunities, I've never been anywhere that has the amount of opportunities to succeed and become a business owner and develop wealth and be, you know, to live truly middle class, upper class, comfortable if you mm-hmm. decide that's what you want to do. Right, right. I Maybe you're... I've never been anywhere where I've seen that level of the, the democracy and it's, it's so important and you truly do not have appreciation. So for anyone listening, if you've never left the country, get your passport. Yeah. You have that right. That's one of your God given abilities as an American, yeah. get a passport and travel. You got to get see, out the box. You got to leave out the box. Everyone see what we're talking about. <laughs> you have to travel and see oh, yeah. and see, and not just, yeah, obviously, everywhere you go, you you know, you have to be safe because you don't know what's here, what's there. Right. But just do yourself a favor. Travel. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and like you were saying, you don't you don't appreciate home until you've been somewhere where you see exactly how bad it can get uh, on deployments. Uh, we were we were on fobs living better than the locals. And we were living out of tents and porta potties, you know, for most of it. And, you know, we, we got a little bit more modernized as time went on. But 
you learn to appreciate where you're from and you learn to appreciate why you over there fighting for these people, for their rights to have a better life. You, you, you know why you're there. You know, if, if you have a heart, you understand, okay, this is why I'm here and I'm going to do whatever I can to help make it better for these people. So yeah, you, you got to get out of that box. You got to get out and see things. You got to travel. You, 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 you got to see other cultures, see how they live, you know, uh, see, compare what you, your situation to other situations. And it'll, it'll humble you. It'll make you appreciate what you have. Absolutely. That's definitely true. So what I want to say now, I know you're a very humble guy, but this is the time where I like to give people time kind of to shine, speak, speak to our listeners of, you know, what are you working on? What are you doing? I know you're retired now. Uh, you do a lot of stuff with the with the church, and you, you still mentor and give back. How can people connect with you online if you know if they want to maybe get mentorship or questions, or it's just to see you know what's going on in the life of Dwayne? <laughs> All right. Well, actually, you're right. I'm I'm, I'm enjoying retirement right now. Uh, I have a honeydew list every day, so that that keeps me kind of busy. Um, I'm on the uh, Smith Station uh, planning board, and um, I don't really do social media. Uh, I don't like Facebook or anything like that. But I do have an email account. If somebody is uh, truly interested in uh, any type of information, it's at, uh, I get this, (laughs) retired, not fired, 2009 at (laughs) gmail.com. Retired, not fired, 2009. At gmail.com. That's me. <laughs> that is, you actually have a a sign that I said when I retire, I'm definitely getting. Do you have yeah, it? Are you? I I am definitely getting one of these. Here he is. I'm retired, so stop asking me to do things. I am absolutely <laughs> going to buy one of those. <laughs> I tell you, it don't work. <laughs> it don't work. <laughs> now here is kind of my final is my signature question mm-hmm. when when everyone goes to their career everyone has a, a dark spot or there's some moment in mm-hmm. your journey in your career sometimes it doesn't have to be extremely dark sometimes it is but there's a changing point or a point where you say i don't want to do this anymore or you almost feel like you want to give up what was that point where you literally almost had that that come to jesus moment or that I don't know if I can do this anymore. And how did you cope and overcome it? I feared you was going to ask this question. (laughs) i tell you, uh, my darkest moment was actually healing from my darkest moment, the healing process itself. And uh, I'll tell you why. Um, For the longest time after retiring, the things that I've seen, the things that I've had to do, um, I wouldn't wish it on anybody. But there were things that, you know, that was unavoidable. So I pushed all that down, deep down, and I never really wanted to talk about it. But it affected me in a way to where it was affecting my household. So, uh, and and just to, uh, just to help people to get away from the stigma of, of seeing a counselor or seeing a psychiatrist is not a bad thing. Um, 
when I started seeking help, I had to pull all this bad stuff back out and I had to actually face it again. I had to sound it out. My therapist had me write down the things that got me to the dark point and um, how did I react to those things. And, you know, I was having nightmares. I was uh, waking up in cold sweats. I wasn't sleeping well at all. But um, once I got to that point in the therapy session where I had to actually talk about and bring out these things, um, that was hard. That was a very hard moment. But afterwards, I started feeling better. I started feeling better. So one thing I would say, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Um, seeing a therapist or a psychiatrist is is that's not that don't mean you're crazy. Okay, that means you're learning to deal with whatever issues that you have. No, it's not going to cure you. But you know how to deal with it better. It teaches you how to deal with it better. And that was my darkest point was going back through all of that again. I actually am I'm a huge advocate in regards to mental health and mental well-being. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've gone to therapy also because I went through a lot of stuff from the homeless and losing everything. And this mm-hmm. was stuff from when I was 19, 18, 19 years old. Right. And I literally for many years had that bottled up the situation right. of losing and the things that were the relationship and the stuff that happened in the relationship. And that was something I, I truly feel affected some of my relationships in my past where I mm-hmm. can't even blame. I wasn't perfect. I mean, I, I was, I was a good guy, but there were just certain issues, trust. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of issues that I had personally where you can't love someone or be the person that people need if you're broken and yeah. not willing to face it. Exactly. And I've been to, I've been to counseling. I've been to a couple counselors, and mm. that was probably the best thing because I, I also was part of that that stigma. You know, men aren't supposed to cry. Men aren't supposed to talk about their feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, I was that guy, and yeah. I never really talked about it. And people's like, "How do you, it, how do you overcome all the trauma you've gone through? And how do you, you're always smiling, you're always laughing." And there were literally times that I would be in my house, in my room by myself. Mm. And we just cry, and I have mm-hmm. no reason why. Oh yeah, Literally, no feelings. Trust me. Just burst in it, and I'm like, "Why am I crying right mm-hmm. now?" And there were times where people who were very close to me passed away, and I didn't cry at all. And people was like, right. are you, "How are you not mourning or grieving? Like you have to get it out your system." I'm like, eh, "It's all right, coming. I'm, I'm good." Yeah. And bottling it up and not expressing it, the body is like a bottle. There's only so much it can contain until oh, yeah. you burst. You may not burst on someone else. Oh, yeah. But it it will come out. Oh, yeah. So for anyone, if if you need to speak to someone, it's all in private. It's you and the therapist, Mm -hmm. patient, you know, doctor, patient, confidentiality. Do yourself a favor. And it's not just a favor just for yourself, like you were saying. It's a favor for your family and your household. Mm -hmm. Because everyone is going to benefit from you being a better you. Oh yeah. And I tell you, I have, I'm, I'm proud to say, yeah, I see, I see a counselor. I see a psychiatrist. I have a person prescribing me medication. I have no problem with that at all because I feel, I feel better than what I used to feel. All right. And, and that self, self help is, 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 is a major part of it because I knew I needed it. Okay. 
and then the maintenance of it. Okay, you 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 have to you have to talk to people. When things come up, you have to talk to somebody. All right. Uh, I don't see them as often as I used to, but I know the availability is there because they tell me all in all the time. Hey, if you need to talk before our next appointment, you have the number. Give me a call, and I've done it before. You know, things they come up. It's like being a, a, a alcoholic or a drug addict. You're never cured completely. Right. You know, you just have to you have to find a way to maintain. Right. Okay. You, you you have to constant help. You have to know that somebody is there if you need them. So yeah, I see psychiatrists and I, I take medication, and I'm not ashamed of it. <laughs> so in that, I, I just want to say this was an absolute pleasure for me. I know I said it in the intro. I'm just saying it again. I love you, cousin. You have always been there for me. You have always motivated me. You've always been that that guiding light to make sure that I always stay focused. And this is kind of a side note. We had this conversation before. I, I was asking, I was like, are you stalking me? Because when I lived in New Orleans, you were stationed in Fort Polk. Right. When I moved to New York, you were in Aberdeen, Maryland. Right. right. <laughs> when, I came, when I was in Atlanta, Georgia, you were at in... Fort Stewart. You Fort were like, Stewart. Fort Stewart, you weren't that yeah. far away from me. Right. So literally everywhere that I was moving around the country, you were mm. in like, driving distance of where yeah, I everything was. Everything happens for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? And, and, and as I said, uh, I love you too, cuz. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of everything that you, you're doing. And you haven't disappointed me yet. And I don't foresee that happening because you're doing a lot of great things. And, and you know, I appreciate the fact that you are sharing what you do, you know, and, and, and that that's what it takes to be successful. You can't hold it in on all for yourself. You said earlier, you got to pay it forward. You got to pay it forward. And uh, very proud of what you're doing. And uh, that's one thing that I have about this. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely, man. I, mm-hmm. I, I've been telling all my friends, especially one of my best friends, uh, Sebastian, is in the National Guard. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, one of my last episode, two episodes ago, Cesar Perez. He's mm-hmm. a military veteran. He was like, when this releases, you have to let me know. Right. So he definitely <laughs> wants to. He's a military guy, so they, that support. So a lot of those guys definitely wanted to hear what you had to say. Okay. And I've, yeah. I've definitely been speaking very highly of you. All right. So, well, they, they have my email address. So, <laughs> <laughs> so and that, it, is, it is an email address. It's not something that's <laughs> made up. That's my email address. <laughs> so, Wendy, I'd like to say thank you for joining me for this episode of In the Woods. Be sure to sign up to our email to my email list at moreinthewoods.com so that you don't miss out on any of our episodes, any of our next episodes, and follow me at William Moore, the author, on all social media platforms. Uh, I'm James Wood. Some people know me as William Moore. Thank you for listening.